This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hello! Welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. I am pumped, pumped, pumped that you are here. I cannot wait to talk about this topic because it's one topic that comes up in most of my conversations that I have, whether it's with clients, whether it's with family, whether it's with random people in the grocery store. Yes, this actually happened. I am talking today all things poop. Yes, poop. It's so important. We all do it. Come on, everybody poops book. We all need to talk about this and we need to make it more of a topic that we're comfortable talking about. I cannot tell you how many times clients will start working with me and when I start asking about poop or digestive habits or anything like that, they clam up. They don't want to talk about it. They're embarrassed. They they don't want to mention things that they think are weird or wrong or not right or whatever. And let me tell you, that's the worst thing you can do. If you're going to be working with a nutritionist or a doctor or a care provider of any any regard, you have got to get comfortable talking about poop because when you see things that are abnormal for you, that's a direct sign that something internally is off. Now, it doesn't always mean the worst, that catastrophic things are going on or or what have you. It could just mean that there are malabsorption issues. There are, you know, little tiny digestive disruptions going on that we can easily address. And anyways, we'll jump into that. Uh, I'm kind of going off the cuff on this one, uh, not having a whole lot of notes in front of me because these are conversations that I have all the time, every day. And these are conversations that um, most people keep asking the same questions and most people keep telling me the same things. And so I just want to collect it all and be able to refer people to this podcast because it's basic information that we all need to know. All right, cool. Are we comfortable talking about poop? All right. I have to say a quick story too. Um, There have been times where I'll go on walks with friends or we'll, you know, have just be hanging out, having conversations. And it always comes back to poop because I'm that friend. I'm that friend. I'm that friend that I want all my friends to tell me their poop stories, to tell me their concerns about their poop. And I, I live for it because there's so many things that we can talk about related to it that, uh, we don't need to be embarrassed. We don't. Um, case in point too, I talk to my kids about poop all the time. You know, when you have kids between the ages of about two to, I don't know, if 18, I don't know. Um, they, they're very interested in talking about this. At least mine are. And we, I welcome that conversation with them because I want to know if they're struggling to poop. I want to know if they're noticing different things happening with their digestive habits, because equal to any client I have or equal to any adult that I talk to, these things are important and the kids need to know when to identify things that maybe aren't normal or maybe are, are going on because sometimes that can be the first sign that something is off. So anyway, so get comfortable talking about it. If you don't talk to your kids about it, start talking to your kids about it. I'll give you some tips on how to bring it up. Okay, so let's talk first briefly about the digestive system. <laughs> it's not going to be a long, you know, anatomy lesson, I promise. I'm going to, I'm going to, Clean it up, shorten it up, and and make sure that that this, you know, sticks with you. 
So when you eat anything, anything, you think of your digestive system as kind of like a garden hose going from your mouth all the way out through your anus. And when you think of that garden hose, think of, you know, you look through a garden hose and you can see that there's a lining on the inside. It's that rubber lining on the inside. That's basically what you can think of your digestive system as. That's how I kind of think of it as. So when you chew up your food or you swallow a drink or whatever, it's going to go through that that hose, through that tube into your stomach, a whole mess of digestive issues or not issues, but digestive enzymes and happenings occur to break down that food even more. Now, we're not going to get into what could possibly potentially be off in your stomach acids and in your um, stomach enzymes and things like that. That's a whole nother topic, but there are there are a number of steps that occur for enzymes and things to break down our food particles. Anyways, so it passes through into the small intestine. It works its magic. It gets further broken down. All the while, enzymes and nutrients and things that need to be in your body are used to help break things down even more. It's it's those enzymes are so important. That's what, exactly what an enzyme does is it br- helps to break down. It assists something else in making something happen. So through the small intestine, it goes into the large intestine. Further things are absorbed. Nutrients are absorbed out of the, the food particles at this point. It's, it's basically like mush without getting too gross. Um, it's basically like mush and, and things are getting absorbed. That thin lining on the inside of that garden hose is sometimes in certain areas of your digestive tract, it's about one to two cells thick. So very, very, very thin. If you think of a human cell, teeny, teeny, tiny, because that's where the absorption is happening. That's where those tiny molecules of B vitamins and iron and all these things are being absorbed from that food glop into your system. So it has to be very, very thin. Um, Then it goes into the colon, other waters are absorbed out of it or other things are added into it to soften the poop. And then at an appropriate time, you pass the stool. Bingo, bango, nothing too extreme, right? Pretty simple. Okay, when things don't move along swiftly though, in in our society, in, in the US, so many people, so many people have digestive issues. Now, sometimes it's a simple motility thing where the, the, the motility happens. There's that peristalsis wave. It's, it's basically the smooth muscle co- uh, tissue in your uh, intestines are contracting and, and releasing and contracting and releasing. And, and that's to help move the food particles along. Um, and that's called peristalsis. And sometimes it's a motility issue where the, the muscles aren't, they don't have a good tone to them. And no, I'm not going to have you work out your colon. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. But sometimes there's some, some issues there. Sometimes it's a, a electrolyte issue where those contractions and the muscles aren't actually happening because of electrolyte imbalances. There's a number of things. Um, I don't want you to sit here and try and self-diagnose yourself either, but I'm just saying there are a lot of, of potential things that we take a look at. So it could be when somebody comes to me and says, um, I don't have good digestion, I have bloating, I have gas, I have issues, I possibly have food allergies, I have all these things happening. We got to start at the basic level. That's sometimes the simplest things is the issue. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you don't know anything. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Sometimes we get so far away from the basics that we think it's a bigger problem than it is when it's something super basic. So let's talk quick about the basics of proper digestion. What things do you need 
in your diet or in your life to to help support your digestive system from a foundational basic level. Number one, water. You have to drink water because if your digestive tract is dehydrated, it's going to suck out water regardless. And so like when when people will eat foods, let's say you're having some watermelon, it's very water dense, it's it's got a lot of liquid in it. If it gets to your colon, if it gets down into your digestive tract and there's not enough water to help move it along, your body's going to actually absorb that water out of that food particle because it needs the water. It needs the water for other cells. And that can make the leftover food particle very dried out. And when your motility, let's say your motility isn't going at the speed that it's supposed to go at, and that food is just sitting there stagnant, your body's going to keep absorbing the water. Any water molecules that it can find in that food particle is going to keep absorbing it out because it needs water. And that makes it even harder to go to the bathroom because it's hard to pass very dried out, hard stool. It's just really hard to pass that. And it's uncomfortable and it's painful. So water, 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 water. And there's no magic formula when it comes to water, despite what everyone in the nutrition field wants you to think. There's no magic formula. I know we've all heard the eight eight ounce glasses or the 64 ounces or a gallon or a hundred ounces or half your body weight in ounces is what you need to get. What you need to get and what somebody of the exact same body size as you needs to get could be completely different. So when somebody asks me, well, how much water should I drink? I want you to take a look at what you're drinking now. Are you getting four glasses in? Are you getting two 20 ounce bottles in? What are you getting right now? And how are you feeling on that? If you're getting, say, one glass of water, and you're not feeling great, or you have digestive issues, or your skin is dry, or your energy is low, you're gonna have to drink some more. So maybe add a second glass in, maybe add a a glass every hour, you know, ease into it. You don't have to go from drinking one glass to 100 ounces in one day. (laughs) You are gonna feel like you're drowning. So ease into that, but find that level where you feel the best. And that level can change. It can absolutely change. If it's 95 degrees out on a South Carolina summer, it's you're gonna need more water than if it's, you know, breezy 60 degree day in Ohio or something like that. So you'll probably need a different amount of water. But this is where paying attention to what your body needs and what it's telling you and looking for the signs that you're thirsty without, you know, the obvious one of, hey, I'm really thirsty, looking for other signs. Are you cramping up? Are you getting headaches? Are you sleepy at times where you're not supposed to be sleepy? All of those are kind of hidden clues that you might be dehydrated. So drink a glass of water. So water is number one, and water is the thing that most people aren't getting enough of. And if your question is, okay, cool, I'll just throw some crystal light in there, I'll throw some water flavors or that Mayo Mio stuff or whatever, please don't. Please don't. Just get water. (laughs) Just get plain old water. If you absolutely have to flavor it, that's okay, but don't make all of the water that you drink flavored water or bubbly water or any of the carbonated flavored bubbly waters that are hot on the market right now. Just plain, good old-fashioned, chemical-free, filtered water the majority of the time. You don't have to make it only that, but the majority of the time. If you want to throw in a slice of kiwi in there, or if you want to throw in a cucumber slice, or uh, strawberries, or whatever, you can kind of give it a little bit of flavor that way, but try and get the majority of your water 
good old fashioned plain filtered water. Okay, so water is number one, most important, one of the most important things. Number two, <laughs> poop joke. Number two, fiber, fiber. Let's get some fiber. I have said this numerous times. If you've heard me say it a, a bunch, I'm sorry, but I'm actually sorry, not sorry, because it's intellectually, we know this, but action speaks louder than intellect. And we have to take action on this. We need more fiber. Take a look at how much fiber you're having in a typical day. If that means that you're going to kind of track your food for a few days just to get a better, better understanding. I'm not a huge fan of tracking things like macros and calories and all that, but in the terms of fiber, it might be important for you to understand what is normal for you. If you are, especially for those people who are um, maybe celiac or they have to eliminate gluten, there's a, a lot of the gluten foods like whole wheat breads, whole wheat pastas, things like that contain fiber. And so when you cut out that or you switch to a gluten-free diet, a lot of those fiber sources go out the window too. So we have to be very conscious that we're getting enough fiber in the diet if you um, are, are needing to eliminate some of those other food elements. So how much fiber do you need? Magic question, right? What is recommended is anywhere from 25 to 35 grams up to 40 is ideal for most Americans, for most adults. And actually kids can get close to that too. Um, but for most, most adults, 25 to 35 grams in a typical day. Do you wanna know how much the average American adult actually gets in a day? Nine, nine grams. Coming in way short, not even half of what we need in a typical day. And this is because our fiber in the food sources that we have, we're a rushed society. We're hopping from a fast food joint to a fast food joint. We're grabbing things that are quick and on the go. We're not getting enough vegetables. We're not getting enough whole grain sources. If you are able to tolerate grains, you're not, we're just simply not getting enough of those types of foods. And we need to make a change with that because fiber is the thing that will help bulk and soften your stool. Uh, it helps to move things along. So we talk about that motility issue. It helps to move things along. We actually don't absorb fiber. So that's a nutrient that we don't absorb. And that's the whole point of fiber is because it helps to soften our food glop <laughs> when it's going through our garden hose. And it helps to move things along. And, it, and it's very, very, very important. And it helps to absorb water. So if you um, are one who is recommended to take a fiber supplement, I am not a fan of fiber supplements, and I will tell you why. Um, in a short emergency, a short-term emergency, I know some people who have had bowel obstructions or they've had certain uh, medical need to have a, a fiber supplement, um, that's a, that, that can be okay short-term. Like we're talking a couple of days, short, short-term. If you rely on a fiber supplement to actually have a bowel movement, that is a problem. It's not normal to rely on a supplement for fiber. What happens when you have a fiber supplement? Let's say you're taking a scoop of the brand name fiber supplement. If you're not also getting enough water, which most Americans are not, if you're not also getting an adequate amount of water, what happens when you ingest that fiber supplement, it goes into your digestive tract, it goes into your colon and it sits there and it absorbs water from your colon because water and fiber, water is what makes fi fiber swell. And, and it, 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 
sucks up water like, well, a garden hose, um, but it it sucks the water out of the colon and it can actually make you more dehydrated if you're not getting adequate amounts of water along with the fiber supplement. So, I mean, you need excessive amounts of water to help move things along with a fiber supplement. And most people don't know that. And most people don't do that. And they can actually be worsen the problem by having a fiber supplement. So, and fiber is pretty easy to get. It's, it's pretty easy. If you're getting enough of like nuts and seeds, if you're able to tolerate them, um, beans, vegetables, fruits with the skin on, if you can, that's where the fiber is. Oatmeals, if you can, uh, you know, grains and, and things like that. There, there's fiber in a lot of things. So taking a look at one, I think the most important thing is understanding what is normal for you right now. And, and maybe track your food for a couple of days and just see, well, how much fiber am I actually getting? Maybe you're getting more than you think. Maybe you're getting way less. Um, but it's important to kind of know what your baseline is right now and then make the adjustments from there. So fiber is the number two. Number three, I already kind of alluded to that and it kind of falls in line with number two, vegetables. We have got to increase our vegetables in our society. We have to increase the veggies. Veggies not only have tons of natural fiber in them, but they also have things like magnesium and calcium and potassium and all these uh, electrolytes that our body needs to help with the motility, help with those contractions of the muscles in our gut to help move things along. Not only that, but it also ties in with number one, which is water. There's so many good sources of water within fruits and vegetables. I think I said that backwards, but vegetables contain a lot of water. So if you're in a position where maybe you're not able to drink water all day long, maybe you have a job or you can't have a bottle of water with you or, or something like that, another good way to get water is by eating it. Eat your water. And by that, I mean get good sources of hydrating vegetables and fruits in your in your day. So these are things like cantaloupes and watermelons and cucumbers, celery, leafy greens are, are good sources of, of water, spinach, um, squashes are really good. Any type of like zucchinis or yellow squash or butternut squash, any of those have a lot of, of water density to them. Um, you're not going to go wrong with having more vegetables in your diet, especially if you're having digestive issues. So vegetables, super important. How many vegetables do you get in a typical day? It's going to be, I'm going to throw out a couple of numbers and I don't want you to be scared, <laughs> but minimum five, if you can. And again, if you're not at that level yet, don't fear. It's okay, my friend. We're working up to it. If you're at one, maybe every other day, that's okay. Aim to get one more often. Aim to get two. Aim to get one with dinner. Aim to get two with dinner. Aim to get one with lunch and dinner. You know, whatever it's going to, whatever the net, the next step in your progression is, it's okay. You don't have to be at five to you know, seven. Ideally, eventually working your way up to seven, maybe nine servings. Um, but that is, you know, that doesn't have to be overnight. It's okay. Um, and when you're, when we're talking about adding in more vegetables, you can get creative with it. You can add a handful of spinach into a smoothie. You can add cauliflower rice into a smoothie. You can add cauliflower rice into soups. You can add spinach into soups. You could add diced up um, beans and legumes and 
uh, other like things like zucchini, shredded zucchini, shredded carrots into baked goods, into chilies, into pasta sauces. You can add in definitely a, a, a good variety of vegetables into things and you just have to get creative. Um, so no matter what you're having for dinner, let's say you're having tacos for dinner tonight, grind up some carrots or grind up some zucchini and throw it in the meat or throw it in the beans or throw it in in the mixture that you're going to be making add a salad add, have a taco salad you know there's so many ways that you can get vegetables in um, you just have to make that effort to start looking for the opportunities there okay so we talked about water we talked about fiber we talked about vegetables now I want to talk about some things, again, these are super, super basic, but I want to talk about some things that you want to maybe not have in your diet that could disrupt your digestive health. Chemicals, preservatives, artificial sweeteners, all of those things disrupt that happy balance of the good bacteria within our gut. And that can cause motility issues. It can cause there to be a dysbiosis is the fancy term for when there's a, an imbalance of the good and the bad gut bacteria. When you have too much of the bad gut bacteria and not enough of the good gut bacteria, the vegetables and fibers and things that you ingest do not get broken down properly. So even though you might be having the fibers, if you have a misalignment of your gut bacteria or dysbiosis in there, it may not be able to do what it needs to do because it's not getting properly broken down and absorbed and, and utilized. Um, so those things, artificial sweeteners, the preservatives, the chemicals, the, the food dyes, the colorings, all of those things disrupt that healthy gut bacteria and it can cause inflammation within the gut lining. When there's inflammation within the gut lining, remember in certain spots, it's only about a cell or two thick. So what happens when there's swelling in that area is there's a break in the, in the barrier. You're actually can now, there are things that's called leaky gut or intestinal hyperpermeability where proteins and particles and microbes and things that are not supposed to pass through the gut wall are getting through the gut wall into the bloodstream and causing, you know, going systemic all over your body and causing issues. So all of this from inflammation stemming from the fact that you're having too many chemicals or artificial sweeteners or dyes or preservatives in your food. And a simple remedy for that does not mean I am, I am a huge proponent that you do not need to eat perfect hundred percent of the time. You do not. Absolutely not. It's, it's, too hard to do. It's too stressful to do. It's, it's not needed. You can, you can have a preservative. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but if the majority of your food sources where you're getting the majority of your vitamins, minerals, macros, micros, all of those things, if the majority of the sources of that are coming from chemicals, you are setting yourself up for failure. You are not going to have a healthy digestive tract. You're probably not absorbing most of the nutrients that you're even having. So you are setting yourself up for nutritional deficiencies and imbalances, and you don't feel good on with those. So if you're able to, if there is a particular food item that you have regularly or a drink or beverage, you know, sodas, um, coffees that have artificial colorings and flavorings and additives in there, candy, um, processed foods in any way that is that kind of has crept into your routine regularly or your kids routine regularly start to find alternatives for that just take a look at that start to find alternatives instead of stopping for a I don't know a bacon egg and cheese sandwich from wherever could you make one yourself with good bread with good quality 
preservative-free bread with good quality preservative-free bacon with good quality eggs that are free range, you know, those types of things, you can still have that food item. It's just amplified. It's nutrient dense. It's, it's a better quality so that your digestive system is better able to handle it. So, all right. So recap, we want to get more water. We want to get more fiber. We want to get more vegetables. We want to try and, and get rid of any chemicals or dyes or colorings or sweeteners that have crept their way into our normal routine. The final thing I want to say, movement. We have got to move our bodies more. Simple walking is fine. Swimming, biking, dancing around your house like we do, skipping around your, you know, neighborhood, whatever. You have got to move your body. When you're moving your body, you're moving your muscles, you're contracting your muscles, you're using those things, it helps to move your digestive system along. Sometimes when somebody is very sedentary and they simply start adding in regular walking, they notice a massive difference in the frequency of their bowel movements. And there's no magic involved. It's just your body's waking up to the natural functions that it needs to do. Um, also, I wanna, I wanna jump back and I get the question a lot is, well, how, how often is normal to have a bowel movement? And what that is called is your transit time. So your transit time, the average transit time that you want to try and aim for, and again, this is situational. Everybody is a little bit different what is uh, normal for them. But anywhere from about 12 to 14 hours to no longer than about 36 to 40 hours. So if you are going once every two days or once every three days, that's clinically constipated. You need to be going more often than that. And if you're like, well, I don't really keep track of that. I don't know how often I go. I have a fun, I have a fun mission for you. Go have yourself some corn or go have yourself some beets and take note of the time that you eat it and take note of the time where you see it come out. Simple way to gauge your transit time. You don't need all these fancy dyes and tests and whatever. Simply have some corn or simply have some beets. The second you see corn come out, the second you see dark red come out, it's alarming, let me tell you, but it's fine. It's it's the point. That is your transit time. So if anything, if it's quicker than 12 hours or 12 to about 14 hours, then that means you are um, maybe experiencing some diarrhea. Maybe you're experiencing um, some malabsorption. Your, your body needs more time to be able to absorb uh, the nutrients in the food. So you don't want it quicker than 12 hours. And you don't want it later than about 40 you know, 36 to 40 hours, because then it's sitting too long in there and possibly drying out and possibly causing discomfort when you do pass that stool. So take a take a look at your transit time and figure out what that is. And if if your transit time is, you know, 46, 30, or, or I'm sorry, 46 or 50 or 72 hours, this is when we start paying attention to those foundational things. Start trying out those foundational things, the water, the fiber, the veggies, the movement and the, getting rid of some of the chemicals in there to see if that has an impact and give yourself a good week or two of doing some of those things to see if there's a change and, and notice any difference. So um, again, this was just a super basic conversation. I actually can't believe I was talking for about 30 minutes about poop. Actually, I can't believe it. Um, but this is super, super basic. I mean, we didn't even get into things like magnesium or, you know, vitamin C and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot to the, to talk about and to 
you know, go over depending on what is going on with your uh, transit time or with your motility or with your digestion in general. Um, there's a whole other layer of food sensitivities and there's a whole other layer of what to do about gut hyperpermeability. Um, but again, that's, you know, a, a whole nother topic, but uh, there's a lot to this conversation, but simply starting with the basics and going from there is a good idea. So your action task for the week, maybe pay attention to your transit time, get a gauge of what that, what that looks like. Um, take a look at how much fiber you're having in your day and, and maybe track that. So simply, you don't have to get a fancy app unless you want to, but simply writing down, take a look at some labels, how much fiber is in this Google, how much fiber is in an apple Google, how much fiber is in that. And just loosely keep track of it. So you understand like, am I anywhere near that 25 to 35 or up to 40 grams? Um, or do I need to start increasing my fiber? Um, so anyways, I hope this was helpful. If you know of somebody who could benefit from this conversation and even just starting with the basics, please share this episode with them. Hit subscribe. I, there's definitely more to come where it talks about when I when it comes to poop. I could talk for hours if you'd like me to. <laughs> so if you want more episodes like this, um, hit me up on social media, uh, Facebook or Instagram, or send me an email and let me know what you think about this episode. And if you'd like me to talk more about it, I am happy to do so. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.